Hello, you're listening to Chick Flicks Film Club. I'm Emma. I'm Avita. I'm Lauren. And today we're talking about Jennifer's body and Birds of Prey. So we're going to start with Jennifer's body. Avita, why don't you take us away on the details? Sure. Uh, and we should probably mention that the reason we picked these movies are because they were both commercial flops. Uh, that's at least, you know, they were. Box office didn't go well. Um, but we want to talk about why that was, the marketing, the behind the scenes, um, and just the critical reception and our thoughts to that. Um, so yeah, Jennifer's Body is a movie from 2009. It's a horror high school comedy. It's available on Disney and Hulu. Um, it was directed by Karen Kusama and written by Diablo Cody. It stars Megan Fox and Amanda Seyfried. So the synopsis reads, if you haven't seen it, uh, Jennifer becomes possessed and turns into, I don't know how to pronounce this word. Succubus. <laughs> Succubus. <laughs> I'm like, I have never heard anyone say that. And turns into a succubus after she's sacrificed to Satan. When her best friend Anita learns about it, she has to stop Jennifer before she attacks her lover, Chip. That's so funny. Like, I just think her name is Needy. I didn't even remember, yeah, like, her real I, name. Amanda Seyfried's character. Yeah. Needy. And Lauren, do you want to say, uh, I know you did that budget research, so. Yes. So, interestingly enough, both of these movies, like, grossed money, but were, consti- were still considered flops. Because, you know, you've seen movies where it's, like, they spent $39 million and they made $5 million or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> but the budget was $16 million and the box office was $31.6 million. Mm-hmm. So it didn't like flop, flop, but it clearly didn't reach its audience. So first impressions? I love this movie. <laughs> yeah. First impressions? It's kind of wacky. It's out there. Um, and then just as you're, I, I don't know, it's just fun. But then there's also so many layers to it that I love just digging into, like afterwards, um, like the feminist subtext and all of these different elements that aren't necessarily blatant. But, you know, there's a lot to chew on if you want to. But if, also if you don't want to, I think this is just a fun horror film, too. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think... I mean, I'd always heard of this movie and I heard like my uncle talk about it and I was like, oh, it's just some sexist movie where they show Jennifer, um, not Jennifer, uh, Megan Fox's body and like, you know, it's not for me. But, you know, that's exactly what the marketing did. They made people think that this was for men. And so for the longest time, I didn't watch it because I was like, oh, God, I don't know. I'm good. Um, But I really, really enjoyed it. And it is one of those movies where it's so smart that the more you watch it, the more you notice and all the thought that was put into it. Um, and it's nice that even though it's called Jennifer's body, we don't really see much of her body that mm-hmm. they tease the audience with, you know, Oh, it's Jennifer's body, but you know, has an entirely different meeting meaning within the context of the film. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. Yeah. Except for the low eyes jeans. <laughs> that's true oh, she God. pulls them off though <laughs> she pulls them off Ugh. um that was also more like a trend of the time too oh, than yeah. anything you know yes um that yeah that wasn't even about like sexualizing her at all it was just like this is 2009 and we want you to know that. <laughs> yes this is the trendy popular mm-hmm. girl in 2009 I first impression was like when the movie finished I sat there and I was like whoa (laughs) and I think what's so cool about it is you could really take away from it what you what you take away from it like 
I know for a lot of people, it is kind of the movie itself and what happens to Jennifer is a, a metaphor of sorts for sometimes what happens to um, like sexual assault survivors. And there's so many different ways to watch it in that capacity. And um, it was just like very unafraid to go there with mm-hmm. like um, the, the sexuality of Jennifer and between Jennifer and Needy and um just I don't know I just loved it I was like wow they they had a lot of guts and they they really like spilled their guts huh yes <laughs> literally oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah it's re- refreshing to see a horror movie where you know the women have agency in it yeah and mm-hmm. you know they're not just like the victim and they don't fit in this this box where like you know there's the hot girl and the smart girl the pure girl and the the, the final girl. girl. Yeah. yeah. You know, yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it is a thing, you know, because horror is a genre where women actually have more like 51% of the screen time. Uh, but, you know, a large percentage of that is also just being, you know, brutalized while fully nude. Um, and that's been part of the genre for a long time. And so I think this really takes, you know, as you said, agency over those kinds of tropes and weaponizes them against the genre and has a completely new take on what it means, which right. is why people probably didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, I think a lot of people have said this, but it was very ahead of its time because it was like promising young women before promising young women existed, mm-hmm. which yeah. was I, the, what I was thinking about the whole time, except it was definitely less like obvious what they were trying to achieve, you know? Oh, yeah. Whereas yeah. like promising young woman, we know that these men are bad and we know why they're bad and we see her take revenge. But in this, like, it's kind of more, it's more, um, you know, there's a bit of a gray area. Yeah. These you men, might. they're not like, they're not like, uh, it's kind of like more what the men symbolize in this movie versus like what they actually do. Because I mean, the men that she killed, like they didn't really they didn't assault her or do anything like that. They just kind of represent the men who, you know, brutalized her and attacked her, which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think it's funny. I thought about promising young women while I was watching it too, because of Adam Brody. Um, yes, and the fact that he's in both of them, I think is so like just hilarious because he has kind of the same purpose. Like I know they talked about strategic casting and promising young women and how they cast a lot of um, actors who, um, male actors who had previously played very relatable, goofy, comfortable, mm. loving, trustworthy guys in TV shows or um, movies, and which is so Adam Brody. And um, if you've ever seen like Gilmore Girls, he's one of the first mm-hmm. like oh, yeah. <laughs> boyfriends early on. And I just, I couldn't help but like laugh and think about that because he's in abandoned Gilmore Girls too. Yeah, so I was just going like, to say, isn't he also an abandoned Matt? Like that's know, so perfect. So it's like, it's like the band from Gilmore Girls like takes a twist like one day. I don't know. Yeah. it's um, like... <laughs> Yeah. So, and like his presence there kind of did the same thing in this movie where you're like, it's Adam Brody. Mm-hmm. He's not going <laughs> to kill her you know yeah Um, so I thought that was I don't know it was like that was a big parallel for me too literally that it was the same person in both of those movies used in the same way also just like the humor of them sacrificing this woman so they can be a popular indie band like that's so smart because it just you know 
the reason why women are killed in these movies they're it's like always so stupid like yeah like surface level they don't really care that they're killing a woman yeah like, it's just like you know we come to expect it in horror movies mm-hmm. now but like yeah. the fact that they did it so they could be a popular indie band and the way that they like actually do succeed in that um yeah i just think that's so that's so smart and yeah. so like oh i just oh so good <laughs> And also just, you know, the perspective of them sacrificing her body to advance their own careers. You know, that is yeah, too, there. <laughs> resonates too much, you know. Um, yeah. and, and that's when you also get into, you know, just the title of it all, Jennifer's body and how that was just taken from her and used. Because isn't that so powerful to watch someone like Megan Fox? Because even you just saying that, Evita, like they sacrificed her body mm-hmm. for their own use, for their own commercial gain. And the way that Megan Fox was treated in this industry yes. for so long, <laughs> those men were sacrificing mm-hmm. her body for their own commercial gain. Like that's what yep. she was always reduced to. And it's like, so when you watch this movie, especially now with the perspective we have, in 2021 on Megan Fox it's like even more powerful because you're like wow like this must have been so real for her at that moment yeah. I'm actually got goosebumps yeah I, know, <laughs> I was like, just like chilling because it's yeah, just I mean, no wonder she wants to make it into a tv show because like you know finally she has agency over how she's perceived and like how her sexuality is perceived yeah. and you know like you were saying early on like Michael Bay we're looking at you (laughs) from the age of 15 I don't know if you guys heard this interview that like recirculated on Twitter with Jimmy Kimmel but um I could play that real quick where she Mm -hmm. talks about her first ever role as like an extra in a Michael Bay movie here's the interview what is it like working with the director Michael Bay who from all accounts appears to be insane yeah, well, he's sort of, he's infamous for, for being a sort of tyrant, I guess, on set. But he, uh, the first time I ever worked with him, actually, I had just turned 15, and I was an extra in Bad Boys 2. Really? And Yeah, they were shooting this club scene, and they brought me in, and uh, I was wearing a Stars and Stripes bikini and a red cowboy hat and, like, six-inch heels. And um, they took me to Mike, and he approved it, and they said, you know, Michael... <laughs> Um, she's 15, so you can't sit her at the bar and she can't have a drink in her hand. So his solution to that problem was to then have me dancing underneath a waterfall getting soaking wet. And that... <laughs> Perfectly wholesome. At 15, I was in 10th grade. So that's, wow. that's sort of a microcosm of how Bay's mind works. It, yeah, well, yeah. Well, that's really a microcosm of how all our minds work. But um, some, some of us have the decency to repress <laughs> those right. thoughts and pretend that they don't exist. Right. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. wrong. So disturbing to hear. I know. And the audience laughing feels so dystopic. I feel like I'm in an episode of Black Mirror. They're just like, yeah. ha ha ha, that's so funny that they made you do that at 15 when you're in 10th grade. And the fact that it's like she was a minor. She was a minor. Yes. And Jimmy Kimmel's like, all our minds went there. <laughs> 15. 15. Jimmy, no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like this is a good segue to launch into some of the funny reviews. Like, all the oh, yeah. I mean, the movie was not received well, critically at all. I mean, mm-hmm. like we said, it's it was so ahead of its time. And I believe it was made in 2009 because it feels very relevant to today mm-hmm. still. Yeah. yeah. And I just wanted to share also, um, I was watching like 
The Take did a great video on Jennifer's body that came out three days ago, but they showed some old clips of, um, I keep calling her Jennifer, Megan Fox, I know. talking with the director of this movie about, you know, the, the kissing scene between her and Amanda Bynes. And she was saying Amanda how the two Seifert. of them, Amanda, oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I just turned <laughs> 60 years old. Okay. okay. I'm going to say that again. Um, the kissing scene you can keep this in um with amanda seyfried (laughs) and megan fox um she was saying how like when they were doing it they were like oh my god we really don't want to do this because this is just going to be the commercial for the movie it's going to be us kissing you know so like people the people who went into it expecting it to be this like really sexy movie Mm -hmm. um yeah probably the ones who left some of these reviews <laughs> yeah i think like the problem was that it was fully marketed towards horny straight teenage boys and thus also ended up attracting horny straight 40 year old men um you know and, and it's just this weird thing where you know it's clearly not a movie for it's not a male fancy movie at all it's uh, a revenge fancy movie if anything uh, and it's not you know supposed to do any of those things that it was marketed as the studio, you know, probably had no idea what it was about really. And just said, yeah. Megan Fox, she's a sex icon. Let's get this like, and they just got the totally wrong audience, which is why also, you know, that the reception was so poor because the people who it was meant for didn't go watch it because, you know, we're so used to horror movies being so misogynistic and not treating like having a movie with Megan Fox I don't know if I based on the marketing back then would have gone watched it because yeah yeah. it feels like every every teenage girl should watch this film while they're in high school because I mean there's so many subliminal messages going on but also the friendship between Jennifer and Needy is very real and I feel like I've seen that friendship I feel like maybe some of us have been in that friendship and I like that it's so intense that even before Jennifer becomes a demon, she shoves Needy like against the wall. Like they're like, there's like that the beginning scene where they're mm-hmm. about to go to the concert and she like, they're like laughing and then she does a playful shove and then she like shoves her against the wall. That kind of thing where it's like, there's so many nuances to especially female friendship that the yeah. movie just really like hit the nail on the head with. Exactly. And just female sexuality and exactly. just, you know, going yeah. from being a teenager to becoming older and all of those things that are happening there, you know, growing out of friendships and those things. So interesting, but it just wasn't marketed right. And people went, oh, Megan Fox, I would like to look at her. And then that's, you know, they were disappointed yeah. they didn't get to do that. Also, like, I think most people, you know, if this movie was directed by a man, you'd expect that needy and jennifer would be pitted against each other because it's like you know even the trope of oh the blonde versus the brunette the the pure versus the impure that kind of thing but another reason why teenagers should watch it is because like you know young girls like so often we're taught like oh you know like we need to compare ourselves to others but like that never really was an issue for them so yeah i think like that's the thing it really walked the line of like they weren't pitted against each other but there was also so much, I would argue that like they were sort of in love with each other. Yeah. Like, yeah, they were obsessed with each other. They were in love with each other and they had such strong feelings towards each other that they mm-hmm. almost didn't know what to do with. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah. it was like needy having, 
Chip as a boyfriend, which I have to say, like, I also love Chip <laughs> yeah, so much. Oh, I was Chip. so sad when he died. <laughs> I know. <laughs> like, I know this is supposed to be a comedy, but I'm, like, about to cry. Oh, yeah. Uh, bye, They're... Chip. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, I loved, like, this is a little aside, but I loved the their sex scene where he was like oh I got these condoms and they're supposed to be good for the girl I know I like, yes. this is so, I was like a man would never write that one I know it's like thanks Chip um but also yeah. when he those, the yeah. eyeliner when she was like oh yeah I like that and he you know and Chris Pratt I can't believe Chris Pratt was in it first of all uh, I oh, yeah. forgot about that I wrote right. my notes I was like Chris Pratt question mark question mark I know <laughs> Yeah, but it's just, you know, the fact that she's just like, oh, no, I, I dig the eyeliner, you know, like that's hot, um, which is yeah. you know, much more accurate than, yeah, it's just yeah. A, small details that I appreciated. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and the difference between, like, I feel like the two main kind of sexy scenes in the film were that when Chip and Needy are having sex and then... Nikki and Jennifer start to like make it on her bed it's like such a different vibe between the two that also feel like really drives the point home that like Needy and Jennifer like they have they they don't even know what's like to do with themselves like they have so much yeah. like tension yeah. towards each so other much, like way. repressed feelings like over yeah. all these years yeah because like there's even a like a line where she says like oh remember when we used to play like boyfriend and girlfriend yes like, as little kids and yeah I, I saw an article that said that, you know, this movie has become um, kind of a cult classic in the LGBTQ plus community as well, which I could totally see. But yeah, also like being 2009 and also like it was courageous to do what it did and then to also like, you know. Yeah. I mean, because like one was, I mean, yeah, gay marriage wasn't legal until it wasn't legalized. Till it wasn't legalized yeah. So like this movie really was like ahead of its time. Yeah, because it's almost like there's nothing even... Obviously, Needy's, like, confused after she and Jennifer kiss. But there's nothing yeah. really shameful about it in the way that they portray no. it in the movie, which is kind of nice to watch for a difference of Needy's just more, like, confused by everything more than being, like, oh, my God, like, we committed sin, you know? Yes, yeah. Exactly. yeah. It was never that. It was more just, like, there's so much going on in her head. Also, the grappling with the fact that Jennifer's a demon so yeah yes. that, <laughs> there's a lot that, going on there there's a yeah. lot going on I mean but let's talk about the ratings on Rotten yes. Tomatoes yeah. it got it. Rotten Tomatoes it got 45 percent the critics gave it a 35 percent no no 45 critic and then 35 audience oh yeah. okay so reverse that 45 critics 35 audience oh that makes me sad okay no that's even worse um on IMDb, it's it's listed 5.3 out of 10. And on Metacritic, it's got a 47%. 47%. So it's mm-hmm. it's not doing too hot. No, it's low. <laughs> there, and there's some... I mean, yeah, if you go through the reviews, there's some yeah. really funny ones. But, um, Evita, you picked out some <laughs> top, top oh, hitters. Yeah. yeah. And so, okay, let's just take the earliest one first from a Jeffrey M. Anderson fuck you uh jennifer's body is not funny nor is it sexy the girls keep their clothes on ah oh jeffrey i'm sorry you didn't get what you wanted oh this high school comedy movie about two teenage girls wasn't targeted towards you i'm so sorry the next one chris kennedy says with women calling the shots on this production i'm sure we're supposed to think this is empowerment but I'm not sure this is what feminism is really about. 
Thanks for your two cents, Chris. We appreciate that. Why don't you tell us what it is about? Because we need you to explain it to us. Because we're just like dumb little girls. We don't understand it. Uh, Lauren, do you want to read the 2019 one? Yes. Okay. Uh, This is from a one Nicholas Barber. So Nicholas Barber, if you're out here, we're reading this. Um, And this was from 2019. Again, not that long ago. Instead of playing like a hip outsider subversive new genre mash, Jennifer's body comes across as a tame derivative vehicle for the girl from the Transformers franchise. He he used the word derivative, but couldn't even think to look up her name. Megan the girl Fox. from the Transformers franchise. Also girl. She's like a full grown woman. I know. I mean, she's yeah. a girl in this, which, you yeah. know. It's just. Ugh. Isn't that interesting? When Megan Fox was a girl, they wanted her as a woman and now she's a woman and they want her as a girl girl. yeah Mm -mm. Uh, disgusting rancid if you ask me yeah it just obviously um i actually was also reading they did sort of a study on people who watch jennifer's body and an overwhelming majority past 50 percent of women enjoyed it and like felt like it was nuanced and also like really hit home for them and then i think Mm -hmm. it was only like 30 percent of men who watched it liked it i'd be curious to see like the age range of like men who actually liked it and understood it yeah i think definitely like the fact this came out in 2009 and like you know what's happened since then and like i don't know men of our generation seem to be a little bit more aware of you know things (laughs) i guess i feel like we're forcing them to sometimes like (laughs) Yeah, like we're not really giving them an option. <laughs> yeah. You're like, listen, enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You're gonna watch Jennifer's body. And I know. Understand why it's so good. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think what's interesting though is that it still has such low like scores on Rotten Tomatoes and IMDb, even though it does have a bunch of new reviews from like the past, like since 2018, it kind of had its resurgence. Yeah. When when it's gotten like loads of reviews so that just shows how poor I don't even know how bad it was when it first got released because that is a 45 percent average uh with a bunch of new positive reviews from the past three years that wasn't there in the beginning so it's probably so much lower initially yeah that's a good point yeah absolutely and I really like these quotes from um Diablo Cody and Karen Kusama and what they have to say so Devil Cody, the writer, said, This movie is a commentary on girl-on-girl hatred, sexuality, the death of innocence, and also politics in the way the town responds to the tragedies of the bloody deaths of several young men. Any person who dares to respond in an unconventional way is branded a traitor. It's also just about fun. I wanted to write a really entertaining popcorn movie. I'd say she did that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. She did all of that. Mm Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And let's not forget she was like she won an oscar for uh juno didn't she Juno. yeah yeah she won an oscar for that script and everyone was like oh we love her and then it's like oh no you know this isn't really uh, just because of the genre i think it just had so much to do with the genre you know and um yeah it did mm-hmm. it really did yeah but i uh, was engaged the whole time like i was absolutely i just thought it was like a good movie like yeah anything I was like this is such an entertaining movie mm-hmm. yeah, yeah and their performances were just so good like both of them are just such good actresses and yeah they had such great mm-hmm. chemistry absolutely um I can read the quote from 
Karen Kusama. She says, I hope between some of their materials, the studios, and some of the materials that we generated a little bit more, the audience out there can see that it's a little bit more complicated than a straight comedy, a straight horror film, a straight high school movie, and see it for what it is, which is a fresh take on all of those things. Said Kusama, it's hard. And another thing that um, she said was, I don't know if you guys, I mean, I'm sure you remember, but the scene at the end where, you know, Jennifer, she's killing Jennifer yeah. and Needy. And she says, my tit. It's my favorite and then, part. <laughs> and then she goes, no, your heart. And um, I saw in an interview, she was saying like, you know, the audience is going to be looking at her chest, but I want them to see her heart. And that's the mm. entire point of that shot. I just thought that was so, you know, Oh, and it's gosh, true because yeah. even like even mm-hmm. as women like we're conditioned to you know look at women a certain way yeah you know wake up like this whole movie you're trying to you're supposed to see who she is and how she was never really valued for who she was as a person right yeah, mm-hmm. yeah and I also what I also loved about that ending scene is like when she goes in there like ready to kill her um and she takes off the BFF necklace. Yes. And it was like, that was more stake through the heart than the actual stabbing her through the heart, you know? Um, And that's when I was like, yeah, this is never about them being like pitted against each other. Exactly. I mean, I think at moments they do hate each other. Like you can hate your best friend. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Um, Yeah. As weird as that sounds, but in the end, like of all of it, it was like Jennifer, like was, taken out by that by by needy ripping off the bff necklace more than Mm -hmm. anything yeah Mm -hmm. yeah no it's just uh, i i just i think one of the things i've seen consistently in reviews from 2009 were people saying that you know megan fox can't act and things like that because the only thing they looked at her as was you know a body (laughs) megan's body that was what they looked at her she wasn't anything more than that so to see her project something other than just you know being a car wash girl was unheard of and they couldn't take that in um they they really couldn't and they also just didn't take her seriously because she was just a pretty looking girl you know that was all she was to them so they couldn't yeah I don't think they could even take in the amazing performance that she gave because she wasn't anything more than that to them and and they were so fogged by the media image of a sex icon that they've been you know (sighs) the whole thing is just awful um and how uh, it's just an interesting thing I saw in the reviews which is like oh Megan Fox can't act and the transformer girl you know she can't act and if you want to look at her body don't go through watching this movie just pick up a magazine I saw that in one interview like don't put yourself through this if that's what you're looking for and and it's just these things because (laughs) they were literally uh Mm, they are the villain (laughs) they are the villain you know i know i would love for them to do a re-release of this movie just in theaters yeah because it just deserves like it deserves its like second coming you know because like obviously people watch it but for it to be re-released like in the theaters and stuff i think that would be if someone is listening who can make that happen yeah do it on that (laughs) I yeah and I think there's also like there's so many um I think there's a lot of quotable lines from this movie oh yeah yeah so many quotable yeah (laughs) and um or like the oh I go both ways because she's like yeah I thought you only killed boys and she goes I go both ways and I feel like 
a lot of that um, is actually in our current zeitgeist that when it was happening in the movie and it was my first time watching it, um, like last week, I was like, whoa, I know this quote, you know? So even though it's being like shot down um, by critics and I guess whatever the commercial world is, I think it has managed to weave its way like into our lives. And um, yeah, I didn't realize that the Olivia Rodrigo Good For You music video is takes a lot of Jennifer's body references. Oh my gosh. I didn't know that either, but I can totally see it in my mind now. Like the part where she's getting out of the water and. Yep. And the cheerleader, like the zoom in shot that they do at the beginning. Oh my gosh. That's so cool. Yeah. That she lights her room on fire and stuff. Like Mm. it's just so, I was like, Oh, I'm proud of her. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. did her research. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I loved the line where she said, um, they're just boys. We have all the power. Mm-hmm. I thought that was a good line. <laughs> yeah, that was it. She's like, yeah. they're just boys. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. Megan Fox is actually probably one of the only actresses who could have pulled that off. I think so she's perfect annoying. for this. I know. It makes me so yeah. mad when you said that people were like, she's not a good actor. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah. She was the only one who could have pulled that off. Mm-hmm. The way exactly. That she, she understood the assignment. Like, mm-hmm. she played it so well that she had like this quiet confidence about her and like this like you know the naivete of a high school student and you know she she like knew she was pretty but still had that like subtle insecurity and the scene where yeah. they where they you know you see her like getting taken from her point of view in the van when she yeah. realizes like what's about to happen is just also just so powerful too because you know we, we get those scenes from the other point of view, but to see how scared she is and like the look on her face and the way that they mock her when they're about to kill her too. And they sing and she's just like, mm-hmm. you only see her face as she's being attacked. Like, I don't know. I just thought that was so, I was just like, oh my God, this is. <sighs> yeah. So would we say this is a feminist film? Yes or no? Oh yeah, absolutely. Oh, yes. I know. It's resounding, resounding <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's like textbook definition. Mm-hmm. It's no debate to be had here. Um, Honestly, there's a lot of things we're talking about. Yeah, yeah. This absolutely. movie walked so promising young woman could run, and and I would argue Birds of Prey. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of, good segue. Yes, birds thank of you. Prey. It's good on the Birds of Prey details. So Birds of Prey was made in, well, released in 2020. It's available on HBO Max. It's listed as an action slash superhero film. It is from the DC comic world. Um, If you're into those comic book universes, (laughs) it's directed by Kathy Yan, written by Christina Hodson, Paul Dini. I think I said his last name right. Paul Dini. Um, and Bruce Tim. So, and we were saying the full title of this film originally was Birds of Prey, the fabulous emancipation of, Harley of, one, of one Harley Quinn. Of one Harley Quinn. <laughs> Not one two, Harley just Quinn. one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. With Margot Robbie, of course, playing Harley Quinn and acting as one of the producers yes. on the film, um, which yes. is awesome. She has her production company, Lucky Chap, and is always doing amazing things with that, which speaking of, Lucky Chop was one of the main producers on Promising Old Woman. Mm. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Makes yeah. sense. Um, Margot Robbie was supposed to play Cassie at first, and then she passed on it. And she said, Oh, oh really? That's interesting. 
yeah, she thought someone else should play it. Um, and she, that. yeah, she was a producer on the film instead. So I, awesome. yeah, I respect her for that too. I respect her a lot. So yeah, first impressions. I loved it. I saw it with my whole family. Like this was the last movie I saw before the pandemic happened in theaters. And I, I just loved it. I remember leaving the theater and I was like, oh, yes, I feel so powerful. <laughs> um, as I'm like in my parents' minivan, you know, driving home. Um, and what was interesting was my brother and my dad didn't really like it. Mm. I thought that was Ooh. so interesting. I was like, why don't you like it? You know? Like, yeah. my, oh, brother, like <laughs> my brother was, my brother's young. So like, you know, I'm still teaching him, but yeah. um, <laughs> you know, he just like thought that the men like all seemed bad. And then I was just like, that's so interesting to me because like there's bad men in movies starring men where there's like male protagonists. Like, why are you so pressed about it in a movie so where true. there's a female protagonist? <laughs> but yeah, anyway, I loved it. What were your thoughts? <laughs> Um, yeah, I, I felt the exact same way where I just, I also, okay, I love that it was a new take on, like, because she's not a superhero. She's, you know, uh, yeah. an, an anti-hero. She's an anti-hero. She's not a good person by any means. Um, and they still managed to make that fun. And, you know, it's kind of uh, another, you know, side to the Deadpool-like movies where you have, you know, they don't have to be morally correct or anything like that. Mm -hmm. We can still relate to them and sympathize, empathize with them and enjoy that movie and have a lot of fun. I just thought it was a really fun movie um, that just, yeah. Um, I don't know if it made me feel powerful, but it just, I just enjoyed it. I just like, I thought this was really well uh, done um, the performance was great and the actions were you know really entertaining I thought it was, a little, it was just fun for me at least <laughs> yeah I totally agree I, I thought I was entertained the whole time and um, it was really fun I also think it's along the same lines of like Margot Robbie really pulls off Harley Quinn because mm -hmm. um, yes. she's not a good person not at all and I think some of her mannerisms could become really annoying <laughs> And they don't with Margot Robbie. And um, yeah. so I, what I love about it is so, so I was an acting student at NYU <laughs> and what something we studied was um, stock carry stock characters from Commedia dell'arte and um, Harley Quinn is based off of a stock character from like really like the origins of theater and comedy. And so um, it was really fun to watch a lot of those references on, um, yeah, Harley Quinn's based off of a stock character called Harley Kino, um, mm. who is like kind of um, a lot of things happen like in the, in the film, you know, Harley Quinn, like some things happen just by luck for her mm -hmm. at times. Like that's kind of a, a trait yeah. of Harley Kino and oh. Harley Kino is very like silly and zany. Mm -hmm. And um, so that's like where the character comes from, which at first I was like, how come everything kind of happens out of dumb luck for her? Cause I actually didn't like that. Cause I wanted her to be like skilled, which she is, as you watch the movie, you're like, Oh, girls got moves. But mm -hmm. um, like Harley Quinn basing, being based off of Harley Kino, a lot of her outfits. And I don't know if you noticed, she has like a tattoo on her wrist. That's kind of like that jester pattern. Oh, oh. Yeah. Like that's what that's from. And, mm. and that gold jumpsuit at the end also has that diamond pattern, which is also kind of a reference to like the, oh, the old cool. garb of the 
origins of that character. So um, it was cool as kind of a bit of a, a theater geek <laughs> to watch that and, and see how thoughtful they were with the references to all of it. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I liked it and I thought it was cool like the detail that they put into it and yeah, I liked it. I- Yeah, I think, you know, the details, the costumes, the difference between Harley Quinn here and in Suicide Squad, a movie I just really didn't like. And just not not just because of Harley Quinn, but just overall, I just thought it was kind of lousy. Poorly written. (laughs) Not not very good. Um, And I just thought it was was just a really refreshing movie on on all accounts, both from the character uh, and her like liberation and seeing that happen, you know, from... Mr. J and mm. how they portrayed that throughout her storyline and you know her uh, character development but also through her clothing that was one of the things I absolutely loved um yeah. and, and just those details there and how she just had finally the freedom to truly be her own character and have that movie that was just so her like everything was just Harley Quinn for the first time that like she wasn't connected to anything else you know um mm. dependent on anyone else um yeah. and, and could just really be that character and I think they just did yeah. that really well I also really love like just how fun this movie and the the fact that she narrates throughout because mm-hmm. that like you know it's kind of another another way to employ this idea of her taking her narrative back because she's literally telling her own story yeah. and she gets yeah. to control when you see what parts and I also just loved the idea that you know they kind of parody the whole trope of like the crazy ex-girlfriend and they do it so skillfully even in yeah. the, the way that that like you know she doesn't even really say his full name I just realized that like she calls him Mr. J she won't even call him like that by his yeah, name. like that's so that's really powerful this movie could have been serious and like really like you know about her her psychological struggles and how she's been under like under assume, under underestimated and you know she's been unassuming to to everyone throughout her mm-hmm. entire life but it was like a fun movie and she you know she didn't harp on mm-hmm. the things that set her back she just kind of like had to figure out who she was on her own yeah it was just really fun yeah it doesn't dwell on all of that which it easily could have done and I don't think that would necessarily would have been a bad movie but I think again this is just a different way of telling it and yeah not having her be you know she obviously she is a victim um she she is you know she was abused and everything but you know I don't think that's the story they were necessarily telling um even the fact that she is so funny and has such a good sense of humor just shows how self-aware she is and I think there's nothing more telling of it being like you know a movie for well it's for everyone but like you know you yeah. would say for women because you know it's like an accurate representation of mm-hmm. things we actually feel and go through like you know there would never be a fight scene in a in a male directed movie where you know the other one passes the other hair tie like, i love that that's like such <laughs> a know, little yeah. detail where it's like oh my gosh yes exactly she and needs a hair tie fighting mm-hmm. while she's putting her hair up which i also was like that's relatable like i'm always like with maybe with yeah. one hand trying to like put it yeah. up mm-hmm. um but like yeah. the fact that you know she all this shit happened to her and she's just like all right well time to move on like there's nothing more feminine than that because like <laughs> There's so much shit that, like, 
women deal with day to day that men don't even like ever have to deal with. And we're just like, all right, well, got to deal with these seven other things that are happening as well. And like, that's just yeah. such a, like inherently female trait. Yeah. And like, yeah, love this movie. <laughs> yeah. It made me think of, um, if you guys have ever seen, there's a Reese Witherspoon speech from a few years ago that she said um, she hates the moment in a lot of movies where like, in an action movie or something like that, something goes wrong and the the female character goes, what do we do now? Yeah. And then Reese Witherspoon in her speech says, have you ever met a woman? In a <laughs> like, first off, have you ever met women? And also, <laughs> have you ever seen a woman in a time of crisis? They literally mm-hmm. never ask that question, like, you know, stuff like that. So, and I felt like this movie was a good embodiment of it. Like, mm-hmm. of, like all these women were like, situations would arise and they'd like handle it like like they had yeah. a plan and, and like you said Lauren like they'd move on when they were done like there was no what do we do now <laughs> like question um yeah yeah, yeah the yeah. only thing that I think kind of like bears mentioning a little bit that only irked me a little bit and I just think it's like a systematic issue in Hollywood right now with a lot of films that we watch is like it did feel a little bit like diversity was being checked off different boxes for different characters. And like, there was a gay relationship in the background between um, Montoya and the DA. Ali Wong. And Ali Wong's character. And so it was like kind of just dropped casually. And which I guess I'm not saying like, I guess I'm trying to say like, there were a lot of, there was, it was a diverse cast, but I felt like the two main roles were still white people. Like, um, and I know Margot Robbie played Harley Quinn in Suicide Squad. So obviously she's going to play Harley Quinn here, like in the sequel. Um, but I just think like it bears mentioning that I feel like just with a lot of films that I'm watching, it's like, yes, it's a diverse cast. The main girl is still white. Like, and the main guy is still white, you know? Yeah. They um, can be diverse without having good representation. That's yeah. kind of how it's happening, you know? But, yeah. yeah. I yeah, think it's, I mean, like, a balance between, you know, I would rather have casual representation than none at all. But I still right. don't think that's... I think it's the bare minimum. That's what I'm saying. I think it's, you know, the bare minimum what's kind of in this movie that should right. be the default. Right, um, like, sometimes yeah. casual... I like the way you say that casual representation is sometimes good. Like, the fact that there's a gay relationship and it's not a whole comeuppance, right? Like mm-hmm. sometimes we need to get to a point where diversity and representation, like what quote unquote might other somebody is not the point of the plot. Like yeah. it's, it's something about them, but it's not the most interesting thing about them. And yeah. there's a balance that has to be, be walked there. And with comic book movies, it's always hard because I know there is, like there's a so many subplots plot and structure that has to be stuck to that's been thought out already that um yeah. it's in the books you know so people are expecting to see that um and there's mm-hmm. only so much you can really mess with it i did like how she did branch off and like she talked about oh canary and then this character like she gave them kind of all their yeah. individual spotlights which i think is pretty unique for yeah. a superhero movie because oftentimes it's like you know we're following the main character. This is their story. We're not going to really harp too much on the, the supporting characters. So yeah. I did like that, but I agree. But also, you know, um, as you were saying that about diversity, there aren't any people of color in Jennifer's body. Yeah, I meant to not say- Not a single one. Too. It's yeah. very whitewashed. It's it's just completely white. 
Um, and you could also say Devil's Kettle is probably a town in where there aren't where yeah. there would be all white people, but it's still very white. Yeah. 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 This movie was definitely it did better in terms of seeing a cast on screen that that actually looks like the world today and what it looks like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It did. Yeah. yeah. I think it's also interesting just, you know, because um, it it's difficult to tell whether this is a solo movie or an ensemble movie, because on one hand, the original title was Birds of Prey, which is all of them. It is not Harley Quinn. It's Birds of Prey and Harley Quinn. And then they changed it to Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey because that's easier for marketing. And they probably realized that people didn't know that this was a Harley Quinn movie. They don't mm-hmm. know what Birds of Prey is if they don't read the comics which right. most people don't do um but but it's, yeah i think that's why they did they do the spotlight things you know because it is i think it is an ensemble movie more than anything more than it is like obviously harley quinn is the lead she is the leader of the group but you know she's not the sole focus yeah um, i agree yeah and birds of prey was definitely received critically better than Jennifer's body per se um on IMDb has a 6.1 out of 10 on Rotten Tomatoes 79 percent on Metacritic 60 percent so compared to the the 40s and 30 percents of Jennifer's body it was definitely more widely uh received better yeah and then it had a budget of 82 million and then it only grossed 201.8 million, which it's crazy to say only and 201.8 million in the same. Right. But you know, this is a Warner brothers production and to them, this, this was considered a flop. For Um, a DC movie that is, you know, on the lower end. um, Yeah. yeah. Right. Like, you know, it's crazy to think because like you were saying, suicide squad, not a good movie, Batman versus Superman, Mm -hmm. incredibly dumb. And I will, yeah. I will, Most of it, I, I will don't, take a I don't remember a single thing from that movie other than I, I know I watched it, but I don't, did I watch it? I don't know. Was there anything to watch? The only thing I remember about that movie, and this is just a quick aside, was that they both realized their mom's names were Martha and that's how they stopped fighting. <laughs> that's literally it. Wait, is that true? <laughs> I, yes, I'm dead serious. I saw it twice. Yeah. I saw it once on a really bad date and then second with my family because they wanted to see it. I had to sit through it twice. Feels so bad for you. I yes, I know. So oh the fact God. that they could consider birds of play, birds of prey, a flop compared to that monstrosity of a movie, just regardless of it being part of the DC universe or not, mm-hmm. it's just beyond me. <laughs> Literally, yeah. I I feel like it's funny review time, also because these are so funny. <laughs> yes, Lauren, if you want to read like our favorite. A Brandon B review right here. Okay. So um, Brandon B says, and this is uh, from March 16th, 2020. He says, great movie. Wait, should I do it in Brandon B's voice? Because I feel like it's not yes, please Yeah, say. absolutely. Great movie. And yeah, it was a chick flick, but it was a great chick flick with a lot of action. I, as a man, found to be really good. Every actress in the movie did a wonderful job playing their role. Ewan McGregor was an added bonus as well. Loved the chemistry between Ali Wong and Margot Robbie. That made the whole movie. Go see it. Um, oh my god. They even have a scene together, Ali Wong and no. Margot Robbie. They're literally <laughs> never on screen together. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much, Brandon B., as a man, for approving of this chick flick. 
Um, yes. Appreciate it. I think it's interesting because he said, with a lot of action, I as a man, you know, like the action part is, you know, <laughs> I have a, I am a I man, so I have an ex- yeah, I have an authority yeah. on. He has an expert on the action field. <laughs> Mm-hmm. As a guy who sits uh, on my couch and watches action movies, I as a man can say the action was good. Yes. <laughs> Thank you. Brother. And then, interestingly enough, this is from Kathleen K. So we have a review from a woman, and this is very recent. It's from July 15th, 2021. She says, Margot Robbie is fun, but this slogging excuse for a girl power movie did nothing to help my opinion of the DC cinematic universe. Jokes fell flat. There was little chemistry among the actors, and the message was heavy handed in delivery. Mm. which is just interesting i have Mm. to disagree with kathleen k i mean i think um the message was not that heavy-handed and i actually appreciated about that about that they weren't like we're women let's fight you know like they were girl power they didn't say girl power and you know like they didn't yeah no it was not the one scene in infinity war um, <gasps> yes. <yourself> that. <laughs> that's, you know? yes that's what I said I actually really appreciated that I think Marvel is still struggling with is like Marvel has Black Widow and um, Captain Marvel per se as like their big movies that are mm-hmm. women movies mm-hmm. yeah but yeah. that's one woman that they really focus on introducing and what Birds of Prey did is they brought in a whole cast of amazing characters that are all, I felt like they all, like you said, Lauren, got a good amount of screen time and were Mm -hmm. introduced to us properly. Mm -hmm. Um, That like, it was really an ensemble film at times. So I really appreciated that about this. Yeah. Yeah. I think the only, oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. (laughs) I was just gonna say, I think the only Marvel thing that comes close in terms of like, you know, having female characters that actually like we get to know and, uh, have flaws and there's you know multiple stories is WandaVision probably yeah. that's the only thing mm-hmm. right yeah. and that's I mean I was leaving that out for now because I was like I guess in terms of film but I, I agree yeah in terms like superhero of superhero wise but yeah grasping it totally yeah what was I even gonna say yeah I, I just you know this again this girl power thing I don't know again they're not like Harley Quinn isn't a good person I don't think you have I feel like people just immediately assume that movies that have uh you know a majority uh have majority women in the cast uh are inherently like oh like I feel like they go in with the idea that this is forced because this is natural because they're not used to seeing that you know and Mm -hmm. so they immediately put their own because they don't like girl power or whatever and I, I can agree to with that to some level that can sometimes be you know in the Ghostbusters way where it just comes across as that's the only point they're trying to make yeah but because they you know have that idea and they know oh this is this is the feminist agenda they don't even care to see the nuances in the storytelling here you know her becoming her own person um you know she actually getting rid of a dog collar and shit like that you know the fact that she was wearing that first of all dear lord um there's so many things to this movie when it comes to feminism that isn't just oh women can fight too like that is not the point it's not trying to be like again it's not trying to be like women are men too you know how sometimes it's just like you know we'll write a male character and just give it a female name and then you know that's the whole thing but here as you said lauren you know they have very traditionally feminine qualities you know they embrace that and make that 
part of their character. And yeah, it's just such a shame and that people just have these ideas and just, yeah, yeah that just these preconceived notions. Mm-hmm. I think it's also like when you're talking about also like feminine traits, I also found this movie to be better, like pretty maternal as well, because they're very protective of, you know, this, this young girl. So like, that's also, that was also really interesting to see and how like this like maternal kind of, you know, relationship they have with this little girl is like very powerful and like they're protect they're like they're each passing her off and like fighting yeah. as they're like protecting her which also like another example of women multitasking you know mm-hmm. like they're literally like and I don't know if you guys noticed this but they really don't use guns the women in this That's movie true. Mm-hmm. it's ma- it's mainly like them physically fighting you know, like even the part where all the men are surrounding them they open like that 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 uh empty case and there's like all the like you see the in the shadows of like the guns that were there. yeah where the guns used to and be and then they have to use like all these other weapons which i think just like emphasizes this idea that like oh well they don't need they don't need guns like they don't need to prove themselves right. with this like kind of phallic mm-hmm. symbol that's yeah. <laughs> used a lot like the men kind of stood behind their guns and fought but they didn't yeah. do that they came out and fought with like their whole bodies in a way um yeah which is definitely I never obviously when I was watching the film I was like oh no guns left but I never really thought about the fact that actually like um Harley Quinn never touches a gun in the whole thing mm-hmm. I think yeah I think she does at the end she, that's like the only time oh, and then she's right. out of her bullet there's one bullet left yeah him without using the gun which I think mm-hmm. is so cool yeah yeah absolutely Mm-hmm. It just it just took like a completely different take on it and made it realistic for how you know uh, if you know this was real women would probably react this way they wouldn't wear uh, bikini shorts and a tank top yeah. to a fight scene they wouldn't do that because nobody yeah. would do that because that doesn't make any sense um, you know you know and the the fact that the clothing here is just such a symbolic part of the movie. Um, and really shows the difference between the male gaze that was so prevalent in Suicide Squad. You know, people have seen the pictures and uh, Margot Robbie, she spoke about how she felt uncomfortable on set. She didn't like being so exposed and having to do all the things that she was doing as well was just uncomfortable. So she asked David Iyer, the director, if she could get a pair of overalls. And he said it was probably the idea wasn't appropriate for that character, quote unquote. Um, mm. Wouldn't fit the iconography. Sir, (laughs) what? You're disgusting. And, you know, then she gets the overalls. And even though that's not something people who don't look behind the scenes wouldn't know, I think that's just powerful in and of itself and shows, you know, um, the care that Kathy Ann took into this production. Also, the costume designers. I got to speak with Helen Huang, who did some of the costuming for the reshoots. Um, I think, I don't remember what episode number it was, but it's pretty far down. Uh, I might put in a clip if I can find something of something she said. But yeah. there's just such a different environment and take on how you're supposed to design, you know, fighting outfits for women because they're so sexualized still, especially yeah. coming from a comic book background where they are hypersexualized in their cartoon form. But then when you take it into a real life setting, uh, you know, it just becomes so unnatural and so illogical and, and they just 
took that into consideration and people were so mad about that about the huntress costume they were like oh she's not hot first of all she's really hot she is hot she is so hot shut up um (laughs) but just you know feeding into this typical male gaze where you know you literally have to be naked to to be hot and and just i love the different details that were in place here um when it comes to the just the visual representation of them as spiders and as women yeah and also like when we're talking about costumes i don't know if you guys remember but in 20 i think it was 2015 um and like a few years after that harley quinn was like the third most popular Halloween costume like for little girls Mm -hmm. and it was not the outfit she's wearing a bird's prey it was the outfit she's wearing in suicide squad so that also is just like you know really gets my goat (laughs) yeah not only for little girls but also like that outfit was such a big thing for like high school girls college yeah that like Like a lot of women of all ages really and it's just like what are we yeah it felt like everywhere I looked someone was wearing a Harley Quinn costume on Halloween yeah and like you know at that time I was always like oh my god like I can't believe that this character is like so popular and she literally is wearing a dog collar like I didn't mm-hmm. like Harley Quinn. I was like, "Yeah, it's not good. It's yeah. not good for the cause, ladies." Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, I guess you could argue that obviously in Suicide Squad she is under the controlling relationship uh, with the Joker, and you can yeah. probably argue that the outfits are meant to resemble that as well. But still, you know, the fact that the actress was uncomfortable wearing that, and then yeah. you still just want co- cooperate a little bit and just you know find something that's not so vulnerable to wear it's yeah. just appalling and there was no nuance like in that movie to address the fact that like she's wearing this because she's forced to like no, if that were change. the case then yes maybe I would feel differently mm-hmm. but still it's just the fact that you know women and young women and girls emulated that costume they wore for Halloween for so many years it's like this yeah. needed like you know it didn't come early enough almost yeah and I hope that now women wear her new outfits yeah when they want to dress like Harley Quinn <laughs> I hope I mean Addison I hate this but Addison Ray like wore the Suicide Squad outfit like last year on Halloween <sighs> and like Bryce Hall was like the Joker and I was like oh my god no um, stop <laughs> I know I know Use some critical uh, thinking just a little bit I'm um <laughs> Also, like her outfit is much cuter. Like even if oh, we're going just so much better, purely off boots. of that, like much mm-hmm. cuter now. Yeah, yeah. I love the boots. I was you like know, mm-hmm. gonna research where I could find the boots. <laughs> and there's also like a tiny details just with like her um, pigtails, um, where where uh, they're shorter here. It's not like you yeah. can pull them. You can't pull them, which you can in Suicide Squad, which is kind of you know that also just. Um, uh, making her look much younger and that kind of childish little oh, creepy thing, yeah. little girl thing with uh, I don't even want to talk about it but yeah just like small details like that just made her into her own woman finally in this movie which, yeah yeah so feminist yeah. film or no absolutely yes, yes. 100% mm-hmm. I agree yeah <laughs> For, I mean, yeah, for all the reasons we've been saying. Yeah, I, I just think it did a really great job at doing something completely different. Yeah, and I think they're talking about making another one, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I mean, obviously she's moving on to the Suicide Squad, such weird titling, but 
Oh yeah. yeah. That'll be interesting to see now. I mean, I'm not sure like the timeline of, you know, Birds of Prey takes place yeah. after this next Suicide Squad movie or before what, what the deal is, but it'll be interesting seeing how she is. Yeah, the character there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it will be very interesting. Um, and I think, I mean, this isn't in the DC Comics universe, but I had looked up Christina Hodson, the writer, and she's paired up with Robbie to um, do the new female-fronted Pirates of Caribbean. Oh, um, cool. That would be so, interesting. Yeah. Exciting. Now, knowing that it's kind of her that's doing it, it's I'm, I'm excited for it. Honestly, when I first heard about the concept... I was not excited for it. I'm going to be honest of like a female fronted pirates because I'm not always a fan of the trend of um, like really big action or just franchises that had like a lot of men. People just mm-hmm. love to be like, let's do that it again. Just, just gender. Yeah, just yeah, gender swap it. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Nothing else. And that's like the whole. Said, mm-hmm. Yeah. Like Ghostbusters you mentioned before, like that was one where they literally just did that. And um, yeah, eight in a way was kind of that as well. And um, but I don't know. Maybe Christina Hodson's got something else. Yeah, I would <laughs> hope that, like, you know, it is annoying because it's like, can't we just come up with new movies that are just as iconic and just have women in them? Yeah. I, but at the same time, like, I did. I really enjoyed Ghostbusters. Like, I liked it. <laughs> um, <laughs> but you know, that might be a whole other episode. <laughs> you know, yeah, I, I that could be interesting. I yeah, saw Ghostbusters in theaters, and it, it was fun. <laughs> It was yeah. fun. I, I remember that. That could be an interesting conversation because that was such a hot topic, you know. Um, it could, yeah, from everyone. Yeah. Oceans, yes. if we did both of those mm, together. Yeah, we could do, ooh, interesting. Let's do that. Let's do a gender bender franchise. Yeah. Is that, is that next round? <laughs> that, I why mean, not? hey, why not? Sure. We're already here, I guess. All right. I coincidentally also saw that movie on a date. So, <laughs> <laughs> with Lauren. <laughs> Gotta get out of movies here. So, listener, you heard it here first. Our next episode will be Ghostbusters and Ocean's 8, which Lauren has some fun stories to go along with it, I assume. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, thank you so much for listening in, tuning in with us today. And I like how I said tuning in, like, we're not a radio. <laughs> yes, uh. <laughs> Thanks for listening in. Uh, listen next time to hear the movies that we just mentioned that we're going to be talking about. And have a great day. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>